You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Welcome to episode number 106 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are talking about what to plant in a fall garden and when to plant those things in a fall garden. And then finally, my, I would say, uh, tips and tricks and watch outs for after you have planted a fall garden because it is definitely way different in a lot of different ways than you know planting things in spring. So if you are planting a fall garden, this will be really great because if you've never done it before, there might be some things that that you didn't even think of and you'll kind of like have some insider knowledge and you'll be able to start out your your fall garden experience really strong. So That's what we have in store for today, but first, a word from our sponsor. So if you've listened to my podcast episode about succession planting, you know that it's possible to grow some vegetables twice a year, specifically those that grow quickly and like cool weather. And there are kind of a lot of things that would fall into that category. And right now, late July, mid-July to late July, even, you know, August is when you should be planting a fall garden. The only thing is, it is so hot out. And if you're lucky and your weather has been kind of like mine, you really haven't had to water a whole bunch this summer because there's there's been a good inch, inch and a half of rain every four or five days. It's been fantastic. But, you know, there are plenty of years where it's not that way. And I'm sure there are plenty of you who this year it has not been that way. So water is definitely something when it's this hot out you have to plan for in a fall garden, especially if you're starting from seed out there. You know, what do you start from seed directly in the garden? What should you start indoors? What even is there available to buy as seedlings if you wanted to buy seedlings this time of year? It's all kind of being covered in this podcast episode. But first, I really want to talk about when to plant fall vegetables because there are kind of a lot of different, I would say, two-week periods that are going to come into play for your fall garden. Now, The timing that I'm going to talk about in this episode is going to be for zones, I would say generally zones 5, 6, and 7. Keep in mind, if you live in zone 4 or lower, or if you live in zone 8 or higher, obviously that's going to be different. So while I'm going to be giving you timing for zones 5, 6, and 7, For folks who live in zones four or lower, you'll want to move planting fall vegetables up. So, you know, do it sooner if you can by at least two weeks because, you know, you're not going to have as much sunlight 
and warmth left as, as those of us who live further south. For those of you who live in zones eight or higher, you're going to want to push planting fall vegetables out. You know, plant them later by at least two weeks than what I mentioned here in this podcast episode. So I'm going to start by saying that I wish I could sit here and I could do the math for each and every one of you, but just use that as your sort of general guideline. So let's talk about what you can plant in July, because that's where we're at right now when this podcast episode is airing. The first thing that you might be surprised by is new or otherwise known as red potatoes. And I've heard in the UK, potatoes dug up in December are called Christmas potatoes, and I love that. And that's what these would end up being. So if you plant new or red potatoes in mid-July, you're going to be harvesting them in and around late November early to mid-December. But as far as seed potatoes go, they can be kind of hard to find this time of year. It is possible you might have better luck buying them from a reputable seed potato seller like online. Do not plant the spring potatoes that you just dug up. So uh, if you sowed potatoes in March and then you dug them up in July, do not try to plant some of those. They they have this kind of sort of internal clock that keeps them from sprouting. You can try to sprout potatoes from the grocery store. Those have probably been in storage for much, much longer than the potatoes that you just dug up. But again, like I said in my podcast episode about growing potatoes yourself, I do recommend that they be organic because regular potatoes not organic potatoes are sprayed with a sprout inhibitor to keep them looking nice and, you know, not sprouting eyes while they're on the grocery shelf. Also, do not try to grow larger main crop potatoes like russet or Yukon gold or Kennebec potatoes. They take way too long to mature. I planted those back in March. I've already harvested my red potatoes. I still have not harvested my my yellow potatoes. I don't even know if that's what you would refer to them as, but that's what I refer to them as. Uh, so those take too long to mature. Only plant the, you know, new, quote unquote, new or red potatoes in July. Also in July, you're going to want to start your broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, seedlings, any brassicas. Brassica crops don't seem to do well when seeded directly into their permanent spot. So I don't recommend trying to start your brassicas from seed outdoors pretty much ever, but especially in the summer. The soil just gets too hot and they don't seem to germinate well. So start them inside or you could start them in a protected place outdoors, a shaded area where The sun won't heat up that seed starting mixture too hot. And then also where pests can't can't get to them, make sure that they stay covered. You'll transplant them in four to six weeks to their permanent home. I know they might seem kind of small at that point because when you plant out your brassica seedlings in the spring, they're at least eight weeks old. But they're not dealing with cold at this point, right? They have got plenty of sunshine. They've got warm temperatures. So they can be much smaller and therefore you do not have to have them as old as they normally would be when, you know, you plant brassicas in spring. You can also, in mid to late July, sow fall corn. It's a really great time to sow popcorn. Like I, I talked about a couple of podcast episodes ago, my I guess the last episode, I sow my popcorn 
in July. You can also sow ornamental corn, uh, you know, the multicolored corn that's used in fall decorating, as both should dry out completely before being used, and it's best to let it dry on the stalk if you can keep pests away from it. And so if you plant in July, they'll be ready just in time for Halloween and fall decorating and make your house look all festive and cozy. Next up, planting in July, and I would say this is more late July that I would do this, is sow root crops like carrots and beets. These will ripen just in time, sort of before hard frosts come in and kill the plant part. Honestly, you could plant these in mid-July if you wanted to. I just find that I, I don't have enough room in the garden yet. Both carrots and beets can withstand light frosts really well once they've been established. So, you know, by the time you start experiencing frosts in like late October, early November in, in zones five, six, and seven, those plants are going to be pretty mature and they're going to be able to handle those cooler temperatures and even light frosts. They will not handle a killing frost, but if a killing frost comes in and kills, you know, the, the green part of the plant, the root part of the plant, the carrot or the beet, is going to be still perfectly edible and, and fine. In fact, carrots that have been harvested after a few light frosts often taste sweeter. I've done this. I've grown carrots in both spring and in fall, and I would agree that the carrots that I harvest in the fall, kind of in the winter, early winter, taste really sweet. They're really nice. I'm not sure if the same goes for beets, but I'm I'm betting that it does, honestly, because starches in roots and tubers turn to sugars in cold conditions. That's why if you keep your potatoes in the refrigerator to keep them lasting longer, you really need to leave them out to come to room temperature before you cook them so they don't taste weirdly sweet. So for both carrots and beets, I would say fall crops are probably sweeter. Also, in late July, you can direct sow beans, so snap beans like green beans and then dry beans such as black beans, kidney beans, cannellini beans. They don't mind starting out in hot weather so long as they're kept consistently moist. Soaking the beans before planting can help them generate faster. Uh, there's, I'm going to be talking about watering later on in this episode that's going to give you a little bit more detail on, on watering, but soaking your seeds, especially, you know, soaking beans can definitely help that process along. Next up would be to direct sow your first round of succession spinach. So it's a great time to plant spinach in batches or waves so it's maturing at different times. That way you're not stuck with like way more spinach than you can use at once. You know, obviously, yes, you can absolutely freeze spinach. Spinach freezes wonderfully. But if you're growing it for the purpose of having fresh salad greens, then you're going to want to do succession plantings of spinach. And then finally, you can direct sow your head lettuce out in the garden in late July. This is also called long season lettuce. It's slower to mature than leaf lettuce, which gets planted later because it's a little bit more delicate and it doesn't tend to handle those hot, hot late July, August temperatures as much as head lettuce does. So those are the things that you can plant in you know, mid to late July. 
Like I said, give yourselves a couple weeks earlier if you live in zones four or below and give yourselves a couple weeks later if you live you know, in zones eight or above. In August, you have honestly a lot of things that you can do. So you can sow more succession spinach. You can direct sow head lettuce still. So like if life got in the way in July and you haven't gotten around to it yet, by the time August rolls around, uh, you can still do it in early August. Uh, also, it might be nice to have lettuce in succession rather than all at once for the same reason as spinach, because especially with lettuce, you know, you can't freeze lettuce. It, it does not, you don't cook it into things like you cook spinach and soups and casseroles and things like that. So succession, planting your lettuce in early August, even if you have planted some in July, uh, might be a smart idea for you. In early to mid-August, I would say, is when you would want to transplant your brassica seedlings. So all your broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, again, those seedlings can go into their final locations. And again, they don't need to be as big as they do when you plant in spring because they're not dealing with the threat of frost. But they do have other threats, and I will talk about that later in this episode. In late August, you can sow things like radish seed. Radishes really grow surprisingly fast because they don't get all that big. So they will have plenty of time to grow and mature if you plant them in late August. I know that feels really late, but they will mature. And besides, you'll need something to mix in with all that spinach and lettuce, right? And your salads. So they go really, really nicely. And then late August is also when you would want to direct sow your leaf lettuce. As I mentioned just a moment ago, leaf lettuce matures much faster than head lettuce. It can also have a tendency to bolt or go to seed faster if you plant it too early when it's too hot out. So that's another reason to hold off on planting your your leaf lettuce until late August. And then finally in late August, you're going to want to sow, direct sow your peas. So absolutely do not sow your peas. If you live in zones five, six, or seven, don't sow your peas before late August. Peas don't like hot weather. As soon as they experience hot weather, the vines start to grow really compact. The pods that they put out are really kind of short and, and stubby and, and they just, they're really tough. So do not plant them any earlier than late August in zones five, six, and seven. They're much better off being, you know, planted late August, early September, and then they would hit their stride in early October, sort of well before the first hard frosts come in. So you should get a decent, you know, at least two weeks of pea harvest before really threatening frosts probably start to come through in your area. So that's when you should plant fall crops. That's what you can plant for fall crops. Uh, again, lots of different options, but let's talk about where to find fall vegetable seedlings because that can be a struggle. When it's time to transplant fall brassica seedlings, you can try to buy some, but don't look in the big box hardware stores. You know, by August, big box hardware stores will not have any vegetable seedlings. They will have shifted gears to selling large annual flowers for fall decorating like mums and things like that. I will say, you know, you can 
have a look in your local garden center, things that are locally or family owned, there's a chance that they might have some brassica seedlings. I don't recommend buying seedlings online and having them shipped unless you can find them at a reputable seed seller and plant seller like Johnny's Selected Seeds. Johnny's does sell some seedlings and they come really well packaged. They come really healthy. So I would say that that is one that I do trust to buy seedlings from, but most places I I wouldn't bother. I've honestly found it's easiest to grow my own brassica seedlings. If you need a, a primer on seed starting, I recommend either reading my post on how to build a seedling nursery on a budget, the link to which is available in the sister post, which you can find the link for in the show notes as always, or you can go back and you can listen to the podcast episode on how to build a seedling nursery on a budget. You do not have to grow your brassica seedlings indoors if you don't want to, but I prefer to do so. You know, that way I don't have to worry about bugs. I don't have to worry about it getting too hot. If you do try growing your brassica seedlings outside, keep them covered with fine mesh netting, keep them shaded so that they the soil doesn't get way too hot during the germination process because that can lead to poor germination rate. Keep them out of direct sunlight until the seedlings emerge. And then make sure to check them and see if they need watering every day as pots that small, like the seed starting trays in summer, even if you leave them out of direct sunlight, are going to dry out much, much more quickly. Which leads me to my next topic, and that is watering fall vegetables. So the hotter and sunnier the weather, the faster your garden soil is going to dry out. So it's important to check your newly sown seeds and transplanted seedlings in your fall garden every day to see if they need watering. And I do mean every day because in late July, early August, I mean, I have temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit really pretty often. That's what we're forecast for this weekend. So sometimes those seedlings are going to need to be babied along and watered until temperatures start to cool off. Seeds, especially if they dry out at all during the germination process, they are going to die and they're not going to sprout. So make sure you're giving them just a little bit of water every day. Seedlings for the first week or so, seeds just until they sprout and then after that kind of giving them you know an inch of water per week should do okay unless you're in kind of like a drought situation and you find that you need to water more often than that. One of the things that I have found can help soil retain moisture while seeds are germinating is instead of sprinkling them with your regular garden soil, cover them with a little bit of peat moss or compost. Both of these can absorb many times their weight in water and are much, much slower to dry out than soil. Another thing that can happen that can kind of kill your seeds when you're direct sowing seeds is if seeds get too little moisture, they will germinate very slowly and this can result in them being eaten by moisture-loving bugs like roly-polies. And again, like I mentioned earlier, for sowing beans in your fall garden, one thing you can do to help them germinate faster is to soak the seeds before planting. So things like, like I said, beans, 
peas definitely corn also definitely soaking the seeds for 24 hours kind of kickstarts the germination process and helps shorten the time between sowing and and seedling emergence making them you know much less likely to get eaten while they're on their way to growing into a seedling next up protecting fall seedlings from sunlight so it's really important to make sure that your fall seedlings don't get exposed to too much sunlight, too much heat at first, because some will go straight from seedling to flowering without producing any fruit or very many edible leaves if they're exposed to lots of heat early on in the growing process. And this can be especially true of brassicas and leafy greens. And not only that, but you can actually burn or scald the leaves of your seedlings if you expose them to too much sunlight and too much heat at first, especially if you started your seedlings indoors. So just like you do in spring, make sure you harden off your seedlings started indoors by gradually exposing them to more and more time outdoors indirect sunlight. So while in spring you would be gradually exposing them to colder temperatures outside, in fall, in summer, you're actually acclimating them to the sun. In the summer months, the sun is much stronger, it's much closer, and it can burn those leaves and kind of kill the plant, honestly, if, if you're not careful. I have done it in the past. And then you know, more than just hardening them off and gradually exposing them to more and more sun, if possible, grow these things in an area where they'll get a bit of shade in the afternoon during the hardest part of the day. So you can do this by planting them next to something tall that will be removed later, like tomatoes, or even constructing a shade out of some shade cloth. If you decide to make a shade out of shade cloth, you know, it doesn't completely block the sun's rays, just enough to protect the plant and lower or the ambient temperature underneath it. It's got a mesh construction that keeps it from getting blown away really easily. Just make sure that you anchor it down really securely because during strong gusts of wind, like during storms, the wind can still catch it. Finally, the last thing that you have to worry about way more than you do with your spring seedlings is pests. There are way more pests out in July and August than when you start growing in March or April. In March, pretty much all you have to worry about are the slugs and the roly-polies and, you know, as always, rabbits and squirrels. But this late in the season, July and August, you've also got aphids, you've got thrips, you've got Japanese beetles, cucumber beetles, which eat way more than cucumbers, by the way. Uh, you've got all manner of caterpillars, you've got cutworms, cabbage loopers army worms, like lots and lots of different pests. So don't just plant those tender little seedlings and walk away expecting stellar results. You are going to need to practice preventative pest control from day one. So with rabbits and squirrels, you know, hopefully you already have some protection in place. Like I've said before, fencing is going to be the most reliable thing to keep rabbits away. I used chicken wire in the past before I had a really nice kind of solid fenced-in garden. It needs to be at least three foot tall to sort of discourage the rabbits from jumping over. And then you need to make sure that you have it staked or stapled into the soil every, I would say, foot or so to discourage the rabbits from burrowing underneath it because they definitely will try. 
Squirrels, I have a tendency to cover freshly sown seed with chicken wire. It keeps the squirrels from digging around in my garden. Squirrels will dig up freshly planted seedlings though before they get really large and plant-like. I find that once they, you know, get to a certain height, squirrels will leave them alone. They won't easily dig them up um, and they won't eat them because they can't digest cellulose. Uh, plant tissue, uh, but they will fling them aside in search of nuts or in the process of burying nuts as, as fall approaches. Chicken wire definitely comes to the rescue again as, as it's a great way to kind of discourage their digging. You can kind of up to a certain height, you can lay chicken wire, you know, down over your seedlings without restricting their growth too much. For caterpillars and beetles, these are two very different kinds of pests, but they can both be thwarted by fine mesh netting. Beetles end up on your plants by flying to them in most cases. If your plants are covered by mesh netting, they won't be able to chew them up. Caterpillars, they do crawl, but they end up on your plants because their eggs have been laid there by various moths. If you cover your plants with mesh netting, the moths can't land on your plants and lay their eggs on their leaves and hatch into caterpillars. I really like ag fabric netting, which I've linked to in the sister post, but you can also get tulle, uh, otherwise known as like that wedding veil fabric that you can get from the craft store. Just be sure to get it in as fine a small mesh weave as possible. Light, air, and water will get through, you know, but bugs won't. And then as far as pill bugs and other, other creepy crawlies, slugs, and things like that, I mean, your garden soil is full of critters that you cannot even see. They hide or they burrow underground. So, you know, netting is not going to take care of all your pest problems. So something like diatomaceous earth, which I have covered in a previous episode, is going to be really effective at discouraging pill bugs, slugs, and other crawling insects. You can sprinkle it around the base of your seedling. You know, it's okay if you get a little bit on the seedling in the process. It's organic, it's safe for use around kids and pets, and it's made from the fossilized remains of an aquatic sea creature called a diatom. And it's, it's powdery, it's totally harmless for us to touch, but on a microscopic level, it's very sharp and will cut crawling insects, kind of causing them to desiccate or dry out and eventually uh, killing them. I do try to use it in a pretty um, precise targeted application, though, because I, I don't want to kill you know, everything in my, in my garden soil. Another preventative measure you can take against crawling pests is to keep mulch at least an inch away from the stem of your seedlings all the way around. Mulch can sometimes act like a bridge to a seedling, especially for something like a roly-poly, giving the pests a way to kind of like get to it while avoiding countermeasures like diatomaceous earth. So another little helpful tip, hopefully, but yeah, that is everything about what to plant in a fall garden, you know, how to take care of it, when to plant it. So hopefully if you're considering a fall garden, if you're planting on a fall garden, that helps you start off with a little extra knowledge. And now I have had to share is I consider sad news. And that is that is going to be my last podcast episode for the season. So I have um, some really exciting things happening in life right now. I'm about to start a new job and we are working on the very last stage of renovation on our house, but it is all becoming rather a bit too much. And so I am trying to sort of simplify 
in in a few ways and letting go of things where I can. And so that will be the last podcast episode for the year. I do hope to come back once I've kind of settled in and things are a little bit more calm and I have a little bit more brain space to come at, back with some more podcast content in 2022. But you know what? I will still be sharing pictures on Be and Basil at Instagram. Uh, if you have questions, please reach out to me. And of course, I will still be leaving the podcast episodes and the blog post will still be up on beandbasil.com for your reference. So please, you know, if you're looking for answers to something, you can definitely still check in those places. But I always say it, thank you for listening. And part of the reason why I feel like this is so sad is, is because I've, I've loved getting to know those of you who have reached out to me. I've so, so appreciated every single one of you who've listened to just any of these podcast episodes. And um, hopefully, you know, once life is a little more under control, I will be back at you with some more content. So until then, take care of yourselves, enjoy taking care of your garden, and I hope to see you in a few months. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.